I heard that story about you being born on the same day as China. You're 25 years old officially, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. That makes you a great civilization. Well, it does. And I, Doug Chapin thought that was quite significant, you know, that the fate would let me have my birthday on the same day as the birthday of the People's Republic of China, yes. Fate plays its way in so many beautiful ways in your life because I read this book, which I picked up in planes yes. last year at the General Store. And while you will always and forever be linked to the events of 1979, your story with China began much earlier when you were a boy. And you used to give a nickel a week to help build schools and hospitals with Chinese children. But what interested you, a boy in planes and archery, all the way back then about a country on the other side of the planet? Well, I was a devout Christian, a Baptist, and uh, our, our number one heroes in our life were the women who went to China as uh, missionaries for the Baptist uh, Convention. And uh, when they came home, we would be very excited if they would visit our church and tell us about China. And so they asked all of the young people, I was only five or six years old, to give five cents a week. And it would go to building schools and hospitals to help the Chinese children. So I was very proud of that. And when, when Deng Xiaoping and I had our meeting uh, at the banquet at the White House, uh, he, he asked me if there was any one wish that I had. And I said, well, you know, I wish that we would, could resume that relationship we used to have when I was a child with our missionaries and, and with Christianity. And he said, I, what did you want specifically? And I said, I'd like to have uh, freedom of worship in China and this distribution of Bibles and return of uh, American missionaries. He said, oh, that's a kind of surprise. Uh, I'll let you know tomorrow morning. So the next morning he said, well, I've thought about it quite a lot and we will uh, change the law to guarantee freedom of worship in China We'll authorize the distribution of Bibles, but no missionaries. He said the missionaries that uh, America sent over uh, in my early boy, boyhood was, uh, which were looked upon themselves as better than Chinese. They were arrogant, and they also tried to change the Chinese culture, so I can't do that. So, so since then, as I pointed out last night, China's become the number one growth country in uh, Christianity both in Catholicism and also in Protestantism. And, uh, and I think the largest Bible distributed in the world is in China, so I've been very proud of that. Well, he didn't call you at 4 a.m. this time, did he? I'm sorry? He didn't call you at 4 a.m. like no, he did not, last time about that. No. educational exchanges. We, we met for breakfast, as a matter of fact, that next morning. I think, I think the night before he had had supper with uh, Dr. Brzezinski and his family. There are many photographs of you and Deng Xiaoping for the obvious reason. And I went on to Google and I typed in <laughs> Jimmy Carter, Deng Xiaoping. Uh, and all these pictures come out. But what was so unusual was the level of physical intimacy yes. that the two of you shared. Um, pictures of you obviously shaking hands and signing agreements. But on top of that, clasping hands and, and, and embracing each other and embracing yes and he, was, he was very warm as well he, he used was, to put was, these two hands around you that's right it was a warm relationship between me and Deng Xiaoping and also between uh, Mrs. Deng Xiaoping and uh, and my wife Rosalind and even between Deng Xiaoping and my daughter Amy who was then only about uh, 12 years old so uh, I think all over America 
the reason that the new relationship between our two countries was accepted by the American people, uh, which was quite a change, by the way, uh, was because of the effusive uh, friendship that Deng Xiaoping inspired in his own personal character. He was full of fun and, and uh, laughter, and, and he was uh, diminutive in stature, you know, very small, but, uh, but he was a powerful and great man in his spirit toward America and toward peace in, in, uh, in Asia. It's hard to imagine when I think about that love, and you mentioned the word love yeah, that's yesterday. The, yes. um, it's hard to imagine that happening today in the current climate. Do you think that the best is already passed for the China-US relationship? Maybe the most intimate friendship has passed, but I think the uh, political exigencies of life show that the most important bilateral relationship on earth is to maintain peace and, and economic progress uh, is uh, between the United States and China. And I believe that uh, when logic prevails <clears throat> on both sides, uh, I believe that the people of the countries and the leadership both will realize that this is such an important relationship that it must be preserved. So I think, I think the, the mutual respect and uh, staying out of each other's affairs, private affairs, uh, and not trying to impose our way of life on each other, those kind of characteristics will be, uh, will, will be honored in the future. What truly honors me, um, but also excites me in speaking with you again, is that you are unique in having achieved the greatest legacy of any former American president in history. Your Nobel Prize is testament to that and to your work as a global moderator. Um, how would you moderate the U.S.-China relationship? And I'm not just speaking about the trade war, because that will come and pass in its yeah. different forms, but fundamentally the mindset I think the best approach, which I'm going to discuss this morning in, in the forum, <clears throat> uh, is to do what I had to do when I was president, and we had a very antagonistic relationship with Japan. We had recently been at war with Japan, as you know, and, uh, and we had uh, much of our industry in America was moving toward Japan. Not only the manufacturing of uh, clothing, shoes and shirts and things of that kind, but also automobiles and television sets and things like that was moving from American manufacturers to Japanese manufacturers. And they were selling it back to us at, at, at reasonable prices, but uh, to both to the advantage of Japan. So we had a lot of Americans who despised Japan still left over from the war. And so we, we formed a relationship where with the Prime Minister of Japan and I appointed three what we call wise men or distinguished statesmen on each side. And those six people would meet in Tokyo and in Hawaii and in Washington in a very quiet way. We never gave them any publicity. And they would advise me and the Prime Minister of Japan, whoever it was, on the best ways to overcome differences that were inevitably going to arise. I would like to see something like that happen now with, between the United States and China. Uh, and just have you know three distinguished people on both sides uh, who had a, a great interest in, in the preservation of peace and harmony to meet privately and to give their advice directed to the leaders of both of both countries. So I'm I'm going to write a letter to uh, to President Trump and, and advise him to establish such a relationship. And I'm going to mention this 
uh, to the crowd this morning at the forum and urge them to, uh, to talk to Xi Jinping and, and get him to do the same thing. Last year when I, I watched back the tape and I quoted a historic leader and so on and so forth and you were quietly laughing away, um, but you are not just a historic leader but a contemporary and current leader as well. The Carter Center is innovating a new approach to people by bringing together the expertise uh, that you have on China, that you have on the US to serve health needs uh, for people in Africa, where of course the yeah. health burden is the greatest. How is that going to work in your mind? Well, we really began these discussions at the forums uh, in 2012 uh, in Beijing, and then we followed that up in 2013 here, and we've been going back and forth each year with uh, as distinguished a group of people to meet scholars and statesmen and so forth uh, to talk about these things. And I think that, that we see now that uh, China has emerged on the international scene in a very glorious and aggressive and effective way in dealing with small countries like the, and very poor countries like the ones in Africa. And the United States, particularly the Carter Center, has been doing this for, for the last 40 years almost. So uh, I think that, that that's a, an area where we can continue to explore uh, ideas where we and China, the Chinese and the Americans, together can, can assess the problems or needs for peace or for economic prosperity in the individual African countries and not compete with each other but but, but uh, cooperate with each other. Because I've talked to many African leaders and they don't want to get involved in a, an altercation choosing between the United States or China as their main benefactor, but if they knew that they could deal with uh, a combination of the United States and China working in harmony, that would be a great relief to some of them. What do you want young Americans to know about the China that you know, the China that you've worked with? And I'll also ask you, what do you want to tell young Chinese about your country? Well, I met yesterday with the international students at Emory University, where I've taught now for 37 years. <clears throat> and uh, I answered questions from all of uh, about 100 uh, assembled uh, foreign students. About 30% of them are Chinese uh, students. We have more Chinese students in America than we do from any other foreign country, as you know. And I think over the last 40 years, we've had several million of those students come to America to learn about our country, and we have an increasing number going from here to China. Right now, we have about 50,000 American students in Chinese universities learning about the culture on both sides. And, and I think that that is a, a treasure chest of goodwill, uh, understanding, or comprehension of the differences between our two countries, but also the, the uh, facets of both countries that we share, the desire for peace and economic prosperity and the well-being of our own citizens as a first priority, but also the well-being of citizens around the world. So I think that this, this uh, ex student exchange is a vital aspect of, uh, of the future guarantee that we in America and the Chinese will live in harmony and peace. Just in closing, and I know we don't have much time left, but you've warned that a modern Cold War is not inconceivable if miscalculations and misperceptions are allowed to continue yeah. and maybe even flourish. You served as US president during the original Cold War. 
just essentially what are the parallels that you see? Well, you know, uh, back in those days with the uh, Soviet Union, we were struggling against the Soviet Union as a potential military uh, superpower. And we also were competing with the Soviet Union in almost every small country around the world, and some of the major ones as well, uh, for influence and for trade benefits and things like that. Well, that's what we're trying to avoid at the Carter Center is the competition between the United States and China in dealing with individual foreign countries around the world, all 180 or 200 of them. So I would, I would hope that we can see this as a way to bind America and China together rather than to cause a, an un, uncomfortable com, competition that might lead to a reversion into a Cold War. I don't believe it's going to happen. I think with a more rational uh, president, well, I'm going to say on both sides, uh, we'll, we'll see that the uh, small group in both countries that still remembers the Vietnam War and the, and the Korean War where we were on opposite sides, like we had in, in, with Japan in the past with World War II, uh, I think they will see the advantage to overcome those few dissident and antagonistic groups and let the vast majority of our people and rational leaders uh, assure that the future will see us as friends with mutual respect, uh, not trying to impose our will on other countries for its culture and, 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 polit and political s situations, and, uh, and, and, and search ag aggressively for ways for us to cooperate as, and co as friends and to help other countries. President Carter, thank you for this interview, and thank you, Mrs. Carter, for transforming the world for the better. Well, thank you very much for your good interview. Thank you again. Thank Hope you to see you again in the future. Oh, I would love to. Thank, thank you, you very much. Pleasure.